Y'all, it's time to up your Instagram game. Yes, I did say Instagram, and we are a women of YouTube community. But so many amazing things are about to enter your ears. I hope you're ready. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast, where we are sharing stories of women YouTube creators in order to inspire other women to start creating. In each episode, we deep dive into why these women chose YouTube to create on, their struggles, their successes, and of course, get real about what happens when you're a female creator on the internet. This podcast is brought to you by TubeBuddy, your best friend on the road to YouTube success. Now let's get into it with your hostess, Desiree Martinez. What's up, ladies, and welcome to the episode of the Women of YouTube podcast, helping you keep creating awesome stuff on the internet. I hope that you guys are having a great everything right now. Something about July, I just like hit a really good stride. Like, I don't know what it was. I think it was just like, I feel like COVID, like life of COVID has like become my normal now. And I think getting the bigger house has really helped us with like my family with having space and segmenting things out. Like there just doesn't seem to be as much chaos as there once was. And I think getting really clear about where I'm going as a YouTuber and as a creator and as a podcaster and a professional and like a mom and a wife, it's just, it's been really good. And like, if you are not there, like if you are not in like a great place right now, if like there's a part of your life that you're just like, Jesus, take the wheel or whatever it may be, know that it can come. Like know that it takes time. We all go through really bad seasons of life and I'm literally, literally coming out of one of my worst. Um, and it's just rough. It can be really rough. You have to keep going. I think getting really clear about what you need to be happy and getting really clear about what you want to, to accomplish really, really helps with what you're doing. And then if you have people in your life that, that are just like, non-negotiables like your kids or your your spouse or your family or like some sort of work situation like be really clear with them about the things that you want and what you need to be happy so they can find a way to support you and give you the time and grace that you need to accomplish those again I am just trying to speak some support into your life from someone that has like been in some super struggling situations and it can be really hard too when social media is so um, specific, so filtered, so the highlight reel. And I really think that this is a good like segment into who I talk with today. So I'm talking with Vanessa Lau today on today's podcast. And she is just become this like Instagram like goddess. She has figured out how to create such great content for her niche of people on YouTube and with Instagram. And it just like inspires me every single time I see her stuff. As someone who's also a social media professional, like I have learned from Vanessa myself and she has just done an amazing job with sharing information and helping you grow as the person you want to be, whether it's on Instagram or on YouTube or wherever it is you're trying to grow your business. And I think you're going to really love our talk today because we dive into some really non-superficial things. Like, in fact, there's a point in this interview where Vanessa and I are talking where she's like, I just love this interview because I've never got to talk about these things before. Usually people are just like all up in my business about Instagram and YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, 
that is what we are here to do. We are here to like unveil all of the process stuff. Cause I know exactly what that feels like when like you're doing like this, it feels like you're having the same interview on repeat over and over again when you're talking to people. And I just don't want that for you guys, for you ladies in your ears. I want you to get a whole new side of creators and like what they're dealing with. So in this podcast today, Vanessa is really going to deep dive into some different things about like her struggles with imposter syndrome, realizing it was making her videos work for her, finding the confidence to do it, what her process has been like. And then of course we dive into some of the uh, issues that we face as female creators versus her male counterparts. And it's just really, really good. And hopefully it can inspire you to move forward into the next phase of what you have going on in life and in business and as a YouTube creator. Let's do this. I can't wait to talk to Vanessa. I am a personal stalker of her channel and I know a lot of other people have been a big fan of hers. So thank you for being on. I can't wait to talk with you. This is gonna be so good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right, we start this the same way every time. Why YouTube? Why YouTube? Well, I've always wanted to be a YouTuber. Maybe not in the niche that I have now, but back when YouTube was like popping off and there were all these like makeup people, you know, Michelle Fawn, all those girls, I've always wanted to be on YouTube um, ever since high school, but I just never got the confidence to pursue it. And there was one time where I did pursue it and it was like a video of me curling my hair and I took it down right away because I was just so embarrassed and I was so afraid. Um, and so it's always been something that was in the back of my mind because I personally am a huge fan of consuming content on YouTube. And I always, always looked up to these influencers that were on YouTube. And I love the fact that, you know, it wasn't a full polished production. There was something real about it. And that's why people, you know, like to watch YouTube videos over Netflix. And so when I quit my job back like two years ago or a year and a half ago, um, I had a lot of time on my hands and I was also in a phase where I was like, you know what? Like I quit my job. I have no backup plan. Let me just finally do the thing that I've always wanted to do. And at that time I wasn't so into makeup anymore, but I was really into just sharing my story and I didn't know which platform to share it on, but I knew because I've always wanted to be on YouTube. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like there's not going to be a better time to start YouTube. Like it's either now or never. Every year, this is something that I've put on my like to-do list. It's, it's something that every new year resolution was always start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. And every single year I would make excuses not to do it, even when I had the perfect setting to do it. So you'd be like, no, I can't do this because I don't have a camera. Okay. Then I got a camera. Oh no, I can't do it because you know, I live with my mom and I need to have my own apartment. And then when I moved out to work in corporate in like Montreal. So like that is like literally across the country from Vancouver where I live. I was like, no, 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 I'm too busy. I like, you know, my, my apartment's not nice enough. And so I always made these excuses. And so when I finally quit my job and I had so much time on my hands, it was just a huge reality check that, you know, you just have to do it. And so I started YouTube. I wanted to share my story of why I left corporate, why corporate wasn't for me, because at the time I knew so many people who were so stuck in this rat race, even though they didn't like it. And as someone who finally took the leap and felt so much uh, confidence after it and felt like, oh my God, it's not that bad. It's just, you just rip the bandaid and you know, your life goes on. I wanted to share that message and I felt that YouTube was the best platform to share that. So 
I love that you use YouTube as a way to like launch this like new journey, this new struggle, this new adventure that you were on. So what are some of like your struggles that you were dealing with at the start of your YouTube channel and how were you able to come get over them so that you could keep creating and inspiring people? Yeah, I would say that a big struggle, and this is a struggle that probably a lot of creators would mention is just that imposter syndrome that like, why me? Why would anyone listen to me? Um, and who am I to teach on this subject or who am I to share this? And what if someone on the internet disagrees with me? Because, you know, we all know sometimes you look at some videos, you look at the comment section and you see the hate or the trolls and it's like, what, what if that happens to my video? Um, and so those are definitely struggles that I went through, but I also think that a lot of people think, oh, I need to be confident before I can take action. But the reality is, is that you have to take action in order to build confidence. And so, you know, it really took a lot of videos to finally be like, oh, wow, I actually know what I'm talking about. And even if it's like two people on the internet that comment on my videos and say, wow, I really, really am so glad that you shared this with me because you know, I couldn't find anyone else that I resonated with to, you know, present this information to me. Thank you so much. Like that was already enough for me to be like, oh my gosh, I need to keep going. Like there's one person out there in the world that maybe looks like me or, or um, has the same experience as me or the same philosophy as me that needs to hear what I'm sharing. And so imposter syndrome never really goes away. I feel like every time I post something new, that's a little bit out of my comfort zone. I'm always like, ah, how this is going to be received or, you know, am I really the best person to say this? But it's just knowing that it's kind of like a muscle that you need to keep flexing. It just, you just become stronger with that. So that was one initial struggle that I had. And then another struggle too, and I think this is very common, maybe even specific to women creators, I don't know, is the amount of effort that you have to put into a YouTube video is so much more than a podcast is so much more than just posting on Instagram is so much more than, you know, creating a pretty graphic on Canva. It's a whole production. And if you're a woman, it's like, you got to put on the makeup, you got to do your hair, you got to like do all the things. Cause you know, that's just something that I feel is very specific to women. So you have to put like double the effort I find, um, to create a video. And when you're starting out and you're not getting the traction because naturally everyone starts at zero, um, you can start to feel really defeated because you're like editing the videos, you're doing the thumbnails. So you need to do a little bit of graphic design. Uh, you need to make sure that, you know, your room and everything in, is in place and all these things. You have to remember what you even have to say. You can't just look at a script because it's not a podcast. It's something that you have to look in the camera to. So it's a lot of work. And so in the beginning, there's a lot of points where you're like, is this even worth it? You know, I put, five hours of my day. And I think at some point, like when I first started, it took me like a full day to do a video, a full freaking day. Um, and I'm getting like 10 views. Wait, what's going on? Right. And so that's also an, an initial struggle that a lot of creators um, may have to go through, but it's you need needing to understand that the more you do, the faster you'll get at these things. And, um, that was really how I got over that. It's just, you just become faster. You got to put in your 10,000 hours of work 
and really just get it done and you will become faster. But just remember that as a beginner, you're always going to have these struggles. Everyone starts at zero. Nobody wakes up and knows how to create a thumbnail and knows how to do graphic design and knows how to edit videos on iMovie or Final Cut Pro. Like nobody is born with these skills. You have to take the action and you get better at it. It's just like with any skill in life, it's just a matter of whether or not you will be the 10% of people that will move forward with it. But I would say so, those are my two struggles. <laughs> no, I think those are hugely important struggles to highlight. So tell us about what your channel is and how you landed on what you are now like known for and an expert in. Yeah. So my channel today is really centered around social media, entrepreneurship and coaching. So it's really tailored to new coaches that want to use social media as a platform to get clients. But even then there's so many other people that come to my channel outside of coaching. Like I see so many people that are like, I'm not a coach, but I'm here for what you're teaching. And how this came to fruition is when I first started my channel, like I said to you, I made so many pivots, like the very, 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 very first time I did YouTube, it was going to be about makeup and, you know, hair tutorials and everything that lived a very short life because I got super self-conscious and I don't think I was in the right headspace at the time to push on with it. And then when I realized that the corporate grind wasn't for me and that I had like virtually slaved for so long to get that fancy corporate job and realizing, Oh wait, this isn't what I want to do. I want to make a pivot. And in some ways I was going through like a quarter life crisis, you could say. Um, that's when I was really passionate about, like I said, sharing my story, how I quit my nine to five. I had a very unique spin to it because at the time I saw that a lot of the nine to five, like I quit my nine to five videos were from like, I don't know, people that were significantly older and there weren't a lot of videos from a millennials perspective someone who was like in their 20s and just landed the job and realized that it wasn't for them and so I found a specific angle to my videos that was really catered to that person who's like two to three years into their corporate job still very brand spanking new and that's kind of what I started with was really talking about subjects like quitting the nine to five, budgeting for millennials, how to save money, um, how to live on your own, like all these things. And then one day I decided to create a video about Instagram. And because I thought at the time I didn't have like a specific niche because I know a lot of content creators say, oh, you need to have a niche, you need to have a niche. And that's important. But when I first started, I was really just thinking about millennials. Like, what do millennials want to learn about? How can I create a survival book or survival guide for millennials? And Instagram fell into one of those categories. And so I didn't necessarily pigeonhole myself to only talk about quitting the nine to five. I was just experimenting anything that millennials were interested in. And so that's when I created my video about Instagram. And that video, I guess the YouTube algorithm really picked it up. And that video also was very pivotal for me because it was the one video that I thought no one would pay attention to. It was the one video that I thought that I had virtually no expertise in, but I shared my top five best hacks that I could think of for Instagram. And it really taught me the lesson of you don't know how much you know until you meet people who know less than you. Because at that point I was like, these hacks are like literally so lame, you know, they're so basic. I really don't think anyone is going to find a lot of value in this, but I ended up get like that video today now has like 4.5 million views. It's the number one video for Instagram hacks or whatever. And that video took off and I started to get 
thousands upon thousands of people that wanted more from me, that wanted Instagram, social media tips. And, you know, imagine your email list, let's say going from a hundred people to 30,000 people because of a YouTube video, you naturally are like, okay, okay, well, this is what people want from me. So let me start creating more videos about social media, putting myself out there, you know, really stretching outside my comfort zone and just sharing the most that I know about anything related to social media. And those videos also ended up doing really well as well, because naturally you're getting so much traffic from people who want a certain subject from you. And that just shaped my entire business. I would say I stopped doing the videos that were simply about nine to five. I still do some videos like that, but that video alone just shaped the entire trajectory of my channel. And now I've created a business from it. I ended up creating a course about Instagram. I ended up coaching people one-on-one -on -one because people would message me saying like, Hey, I really need your help. And I was like, okay, let me, let me try this out. And now my business is in the multiple six figures, almost seven figures. We're going to hit seven this year. And it's all because I, you know, shared what I knew, even though at the time I didn't think that it was enough, it ended up being more than enough. And yeah, it taught me a really, really massive lesson about just sharing what you know, because you'll be so surprised by the number of people who don't know what you know. So one of the things that's really interesting about what you do is I'm also, I'm in the content creator space. And so I found you because of suggested search. Like you showed up like, oh, well, you talk about this and you watch these things. You should go watch her. And I just love what you were doing. I came to you, I think when like you were in the middle, like if you were to take where you are now is in the middle of all of that. Uh, you were like trying to figure out like your office situation where you're recording what you're doing. One of the things I have found, there's a lot of people that talk about social media. There's a lot of people that do Instagram tutorials and Facebook tutorials. And I'm sure every industry, every person, every niche deals with it. Like there's so many people talking about cooking or makeup or, or how to edit things or tech and things like that. What is it that you, once you realize what you wanted to talk about, what your audience wanted, what is it that you were able to do? What is it about your content that allowed for it to be as successful as it is now? Yeah, I would say a multitude of things. Maybe one of them could be the fact that I try really hard to make sure that my tips and tricks are different than maybe everyone else's. So the content idea itself could be the same, like, oh, how to grow 10K followers on Instagram. But I really try to make sure that my tips are a little bit more unique. It's kind of like my stamp of this is how Vanessa Lau does things. And I think that that can be refreshing to some people, especially in, I don't want to use the word saturated, but like you said, like social media hacks and tips is a very big, big category on YouTube. Not as big as like makeup, I would say, but still very, very big. And I think it's important as a content creator, you know, the key word is creator. It's not content copycat. You have to have your own spin on things. And that, and I tell my own students, this is like, you are the first client that you will ever have. You have to continuously test strategies on yourself, you know, even if they suck and they don't end up working, but when they do share it with your audience and be different. And I think that that is also a really big reason why my channel grew is because it's one thing to have one viral video and then just cruise on that video. But there's another of you constantly pushing yourself to be better. I look at my old videos and I'm still 
even today, trying to update the content and being like, okay, well, this is what I said last year, but what is my opinion on this subject now this year? What, what is my new strategy? How can I really become a leader in this industry instead of a follower? Because I find that on the internet, the YouTube space, or, but in the internet space in general, there's like two categories. There's one, which is the leaders who are just confident in innovating and testing things and, you know, sharing their strategies, even though they're not a hundred percent sure if it works, but they're just so transparent in their process that they naturally become leaders and they become someone who people trust for information. And then the second path is just people who follow the leaders, take what they say and just regurgitate it and don't put their own unique spin to that. So I think that's so important as a content creator is to make sure you're not a copycat creator, but you're an actual creator that's you know, even if it's taking a piece of content that's already been done, what can you say that's different about that content? How can you add your own flavor to it? So I think that's really important. The second piece too, and this is more about, less about content, but more about who you are as a person. I think what has made me also really successful is there are no Asian women creators that are talking about social media. Um, there's not enough of them, right? And so for me, what's really interesting is as I've grown my community and as I've you know, sold courses and I have students and everything, I find it so refreshing that I get so many DMs of people saying, I specifically follow you because I'm also a woman, a female, and I don't see enough creators talk about this that are female. And I'm also Asian because I'm Asian and I have never seen a creator that's Asian actually like quote unquote make it and be invited to like, you know, to buddy stuff or, you know, all these different things, uh, social media examiner, whatever, like, you know, all the big things. And so that is also specifically why they follow me. Not, yes, it's my content, but it's because of who I am as a person. And so I think, you know, whoever's listening to this, I think it's really important that there's more female representation out there because in some ways it comes to your advantage too, because now in a sense, not just your content is niche, but you as a person is someone that is not as common in that space. And so naturally you're going to invite a lot of other female creators to your space or a lot of people that maybe share the same ethnicity as you and look up to you specifically because they see what's possible for you could be possible for them. I remember when I first started, and actually funny enough, shared this on my Instagram story not too long ago is I was so close to changing my last name on social media because my, my last name is Lau, L-A-U. You know, a lot of people now don't have problems pronouncing it, but what, growing up, a lot of people would be like, is it Vanessa Lou, Vanessa Low, Vanessa Law? Like they wouldn't be able to pronounce my last name. And so at some point I considered changing my last name on YouTube to Vanessa L like E L L E so that it would be easier for people to pronounce. And today I'm so glad that I didn't because I said my last name so many times that people just know how to pronounce it now. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I have had a couple of students of mine say, Hey, you know, I'm really considering to change my last name. I feel like, you know, people can't pronounce it and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I just want to make it easier for people. And my big thing is like, no, people want to see that. Like people want to see, Oh my gosh, this person has a very similar last name to me and they're doing the damn thing. And that means that I can do the damn thing as well. And so I think that's also very important to note is what makes you different as a creator. Yes, it's the content, but it's who you are as an individual and you shouldn't change that for YouTube because 
that's what people find refreshing. People don't want to see the same cookie cutter person on the internet all the time. The moment that they see someone who represents them, you know, you automatically have your own fan base of people who look up to you because now you're doing something that they never thought that they could do themselves. You've said so many great things and I've got lots of questions in my brain. So let's go through some of them. I know we were totally on a roll, but I want to help you solve a problem we all have as creators. Trying to stay connected with your subscribers and viewers can be so frustrating when you are relying on an algorithm to stay connected. Sometimes your videos don't reach everyone that would want to see them, which is why you should be growing an email list ASAP. And the best tool for that is going to be ConvertKit. ConvertKit is made specifically for creators. It has fantastic features like landing pages, website pop-ups, list segmentation, website integration, and so much more. I personally use ConvertKit after literally spending years trying and failing with different email platforms. But with ConvertKit, I can send broadcasts, create landing pages, and make funnels in less than 30 minutes. This allows me to give consistent value to my viewers by sending them my newest videos, freebies, and of course, telling them about the different sales opportunities I have going on. No matter where you are in your YouTube journey, start collecting emails for free with ConvertKit. That's right, for free, ladies. Just head over to womenofyoutube.com forward slash ConvertKit. Okay, let's get back to it. Why is it that you think representation matters? And why do you think there are so many areas where people are underrepresented on YouTube? I think representation is so important because I just think back at my own experience, stopping myself thinking, oh my gosh, I'm Asian, so maybe I won't be as successful as everyone else because I haven't really seen a lot of Asian women or even men represented. And so I made that mean something about my potential as well. And I'm sure regardless of your ethnicity, you, you know, a lot of people might feel the same way. It's like, Hey, you know, how come all the top dogs, because it's, it's marketing, right? It's like, once you make it, you're invited to those big events and then your exposure becomes even more. And you know, you become a speaker to things and all of that. And there's a lot of people who are starting out who look up to that and look up to that as the standard of success. So, hey, you know, if you're invited to social media examiner or if you're invited to, I don't know, XYZ major conference, then that must mean that you make you made it right. Or if you're invited to XYZ podcast, you know, Amy Porterfield's podcast or someone massive, then that must mean that, you know, you're successful. That's when you know it's like a milestone for you. And when you don't see enough people who look like you achieving those milestones, you're automatically thinking to yourself, well, then that must mean that you know, it's going to be harder for me to get there. You know, it's not possible for me. And so I remember when I started, I was like, okay, well, let me do the math. There's not a lot of Asian women who, you know, are on those platforms. So maybe that must mean that, you know, my chances are cut in half to, to make it because there's just simply not enough people that I see like me who have made it. And so that's why I think representation is so important because the more that we see people who look like us making it, it automatically, you know, allows us to think that we can make it too. It's very similar to the four minute mile principle. You know, I, d do you know the four minute mile? I, I don't principle? tell us what is it? Okay. So the four minute mile principle is all about how back then, back in the day, you know, experts, like literally experts would say that it is physically impossible to run a four minute mile. It was something that was never done before. 
And, you know, nobody believed that it could happen until one day, one person actually did finish the mile in four minutes. So they did the four minute mile. And funny enough, this was something that was never done before because everyone said it wasn't possible. But the moment that one person achieved the four minute mile afterwards, there was a floodgates of other people achieving the four minute mile as well. Something that used to be seen as impossible was now possible because one person did the damn thing, proved that it was possible. And then suddenly everyone else started doing it. And now it's uncommon. It's not, it's not uncommon for someone to do the four minute mile. And so when there's representation, it's basically the equivalent of unlocking that four minute mile for other people. Yeah. That's the whole reason this podcast exists. So I'm always so interested in why people do it. Like I think every genre except for beauty, health and fitness, fashion, um, all are the only ones are dominated by women. Every other one has male leaders. And like when you go through trending topic pages on YouTube and stuff, there's so many more men based channels, men based content that is leading the way. And yeah. it's so, it's just so, it's not that it's frustrating. It just makes me wonder why aren't women being highlighted or why aren't women stepping up to do it? Like it, it, we can't, I don't know if it's a combination of like, do we blame the platform? Do we blame the audience or do we look at like our own gender, our own niches, our own interests, our own races and be like, well, are we doing anything to be the, the thought leader, to be the first, to be the, the trailblazers for what's going on. And I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to any of those questions. I just think that it's like, if you want to be seen, if you want something and it's not there, you're kind of going to have to go make it for yourself and be that yeah, person. Well, I, I remember when I started YouTube, the only few people that I watched was Sunny Laraduzzi. Uh, who else? Um, Jillian Perkins, Jess Stansberry. And like, for me, that's my scope of reference. Like, I think those were the only three female creators. And then everyone else, I was like, okay, we're well, Roberta Blake, Think Media, like so many other male creators, Dan Courier, uh, you know, so many people I could name, Nick Nimmin, like everyone, they're all amazing creators. But I just remember, like, I really only had Sunny Leonard Doozy specifically for YouTube, like very niche down to YouTube. That was someone that I looked up to. Um, and really no one else. I was only consuming her content, I would say, um, because I didn't see for me personally, like anyone else that was on those bigger platforms that had those, like, you know, I've, I've spoken at social media examiner and I'm on this and I'm on that. Like there wasn't a lot of people. And so even for me, when I was starting, I didn't have a lot of role models, I guess, uh, to look up to. And to go to your point too, I mean, this is just a theory because I think it's not just with YouTube, but it's with everything else. But for me, I don't have kids. I don't, you know, I'm not married yet. I don't have kids, but I also feel like, um, my theory too, is that you just have to work twice as hard. Like I can't imagine me right now having a kid and having all those responsibilities and having to film a video. And then let's say if I didn't have a team, like editing that video, coming up with the script for that video you know, putting myself together for that video. Like, I think maybe that's, you know, I don't know, Desiree, you have kids, but I don't, but I'm just thinking, Hey, maybe that's also why we don't see as much women representation because at, at a certain point, like it's, it's very hard to, to do all, to do it all. I can't imagine right now if I had a kid, I, I don't oh. think I'd be able to, it would be very hard for me. I would have to like outsource something. <laughs> oh, let me, let me tell you, I got some stories about this, but it's, 
you know, I was actually just talking with my uh, friend, Meredith Marsh. She's, um, she's a vid pro mom. She's been on the podcast and we were just talking literally this morning before our, our interview, um, about the differences between men's content versus women's content. And even the difference between women creators who have kids and women creators who don't have kids within our niche. Um, because women who have kids specifically, and I want to say this because I know that the people we talked about, like Trina Little and, and Meredith herself and myself, Jessica Stansberry, we all have kids under a certain age. And so we have like different levels of like neediness and requirements, especially through this pandemic, which has been a big, uh, you know, break pumper for all of us. We all create content in batches because we get a set of time where we're able to like, okay, I'm kid free. I can put on makeup. I can look presentable from my chest up for long enough to plan out and record these four to five videos. That way, if life happens or something goes on, I'm able to make sure I'm still showing up for my business and for my community. But when you look at even other creators that are women in our niche, like Sarah Dietschy, Catherine Manning, um, Amy Landino, they're all in a different creating place where they're not necessarily batching their content. They're doing definitely more videography, more planning, more changing of their scenes. Um, we were joking that their houses are all really clean <laughs> and like that never happens for us. Well, like, I would say I fall into that category. Happened. You know, yeah. I don't batch my content yet, but I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, when I have kids, how am I going to manage? Like, how am I? Yeah. I remember, like, how am I gonna do this? I remember talking with Catherine where she was like, I literally would see Sarah Dietschy editing the video she was recording in the background of the video she was doing an extra clip for. And you can see Catherine doing that too. Creators who are moms, at least of smaller kids or in a different, like I can't speak for all of them. But I feel like a big chunk of us can say that ain't happening for us. Especially <laughs> for the ones that are editing our own content. I don't edit my own content. I have not edited my content since day one of my YouTube channel because I have kids, but I knew how important it was to have a YouTube channel to grow my business um, and, and be a thought leader because I started my channel on the other side of the world. We got, my family got stationed in South Korea and I was like, how am I going to do this? Right. Uh, I knew I had to, because I'm like, I have like this small window of time every day to work while my kids are in preschool and daycare. And there's too many other things I have to do during that time. So I, the luxury of being a full-time YouTuber and being able to create more and, and do more of that kind of stuff is harder as a mom. That is for sure. And I think that that is a good point. I never honestly ever thought of that probably because moms, moms have different, have great voices for all kinds of things, not just social or tech or motherhood or anything like that. Like every category, like video gamers or crafting or music or anything like that there's this big window of time where we can do stuff and yep. it does make it, it does force us into positions of doing things differently or not doing things at all. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I'm like loving the direction of this podcast episode. <laughs> like I have been invited to, you know, a few uh, podcasts before, but we never talk about this stuff. And oh, I think this is so this refreshing. Is I can't talk about <laughs> I love it. And, you know, while we're on the topic of just like the things that women might have to go through on YouTube, that's a little bit different maybe than our male co counterparts. 
Can we talk about just the creepy dudes that comment on my videos or discredit what I know because, oh, it's so easy. You got this because, you know, you're wearing a tank top or, oh, can you please wear something else? Blah, blah, of blah. course you're I get successful. Those. You're a, a millennial, beautiful Asian girl. Of course it's easy for you to yeah. get Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, easy for her to say she's good looking. Or I'm like, I go to like my male counterparts and I don't see any of that stuff on their comments and, but and I get that on my comment section of being like, like I'll get emails from men telling me what to wear or that I wore too much makeup or not enough makeup or, Hey, you know, you should probably, you know, wear a jacket because it's very distract distracting that you're showing your shoulders. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the content is the content. Like, why do you care? And I, why do you just think you get to say that? that to me? Yeah, exactly. It's what the heck. Right. And it's even the worst ones for me are just the ones that just completely discredit my success because they're like, well, easy for you to do thumbnails like that because you're female, you're attractive, you have all these things. And I'm like, no, it's because I'm smart <laughs> and I'm intelligent and I know what I'm talking about. You can go see the same. I'm going to say the same. I'm saying you have great thumbnails, but there are similar people in our niche that are women of different colors, different sizes that probably have been inspired by your thumbnails. I know I've created some thumbnails inspired by you because I'm like, oh, I really like how she's doing this. I like this layout. I like how her words are saying this, but her title is saying this. Like, this is my inspiration. I'm going to test this out and see if I can, you know, have traction and test this out. I think the thing that's so interesting about male creators versus female creators is just, it's so many things. And again, it's not bad. It is not about man bashing. It's about women are better than men or men are better than women or any of that. It's just, it's different. And I think it goes back to representation because, I, so for example, when I'm, I'm, because I move a lot, um, I had a new set when I moved into the house that I'm in right now. And I was like, I'm going to get all like super artsy with it. And I was looking at all these creators. I was looking at Peter McKinnon. I was looking at um, Nick Nimmin. I was looking at a lot of these people. And like, I was like, okay, these are their artsiness. These are where they're putting their lights. I'm going to totally like make my own version of this. And not only did I feel very uncomfortable in those spaces, it, my content just wasn't as good. And what I started to realize when I looked at my female counterparts who were saying and doing similar, my similar industry niche about social media and content creation and YouTube is they all had very bright spaces. So you're talking literally the difference between dark content and light content for men and for women. And it's just, it's so crazy. It's literally, it's what people resonate with. It's what people connect with. It's, it's that study of what's different. And that is why representation matters so much. I think as long as all of our male YouTube educators, uh, or as long as most, sorry, as long as most of our educators are men, women are not going to feel that they have a place to create where it's going to, or less of them will subconsciously think they can because they're going to see all of these different looking men, you know, your Tim Schmoyers, your Dell Eves, your Roberto Blakes, your Nick Nimmons, who are all different looking, have a different way of teaching, but they still can't connect with that because there's not the, the Sunny Leonard Doozies, the Vanessa Lows, the, the Meredith Marches who are, oh, I see myself in them and I have a life like them. I have a background like them. I have the complications like them. And they can relate to that. Women need to relate and uh, to, felt, to feel heard to, and to feel inspired. 
Mm-hmm. It's just how I, we function. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important um, to not necessarily like change everything about you to fit a certain mold. And that's kind of what I was alluding to when I was like, oh, thinking of changing my last name and everything like that. Because especially when you're starting out, it's important to be on like, like transparent with your audience being like, Hey, you know, I can't film a video today because I'm juggling two kids, you know, or sharing that on your vlogs or sharing that in your content or just sharing a little bit more about you because I'm sick of like looking at people that are just so picture perfect on the internet. And I think that for me, that's a big reason why I was successful was because on my Instagram stories everywhere, people resonated with me because I was in a sense at the time, like the underdog, like, you know, I'm trying to grow. I have a little bit of success, but not like massive success yet. And this is what I'm going through. I'm really burning out here. I just hired my very first team member and this is what happened. And you know, this is the behind the scenes of like what it was like to hire a video editor and what the difference is. And you know, I was really taking my audience on this candid journey and I wasn't necessarily trying to be like, Oh, look at me. I'm so successful. It's like, no, my life is a mess. I'm trying my best. And these are the moves that I'm making to grow. Um, And people loved that because they were like rooting me on and they felt like they were growing with me. And I think that that's also very important as a creator, even me being like admitting to my audience, like, hey, when I like, I'm filming videos in my mom's house right now. I used to live on my own. I had to move back, took a major step back in my career. Um, I was going places. Now I'm not. And, you know, here I am in my mom's house filming videos in my childhood bedroom. And it is what it is. And I've been trying to build my business here. And, you know, maybe one day I'll have an office and all those things. And people totally related with that um, because they were so used to seeing these creators that already had a million subscribers and they didn't see enough creators that were were like less than a hundred K subscribers trying to make it just like they were. And I think there's a power in that to being a small creator. And I think that's important to share with your audience because people want to see that versus this picture perfect cookie cutter version of you on YouTube. Yes. And I think that unfortunately those are the people that get put into positions of leadership and, and for lack of better word, power and all of our industries. Uh, they're the ones that are getting on stages. They're the ones that are like the most put together. It's like they went through their crappy parts. Now they're all perfect and, and together now and they're flawless. And now they're able to be in a position to talk and lead and, and go through all of that. And it's almost like, it feels sometimes like the only people that are allowed to be vulnerable and raw and, and, and messy hair and messy clothes and all that kind of stuff are moms, at least in the women's space. Because it's like we're expected, like we put all this extra pressure on ourselves and da da da. But like, if a mom was to hear an, a woman who was like, "Oh, I'm just not into it today. I can't get it together," they're gonna be like, "Oh, enough! Right? You don't have two kids hanging off of your boobs in a sink full of dishes. Get up and go do something with your lives." Like I've seen that, and it's awful. And it's like, and so it's just one of those like crazy things where it's like, I I, I love where I feel like we are on the cusp of an unfiltered life and and, and an unfiltered online presence and unfiltered social media stuff. I feel like more content is going towards like, take me with you on your day. Take me with you on your journey. Show me what your life is like. Let me see those dirty clothes on the floor um, and all that kind of content, at least when it comes to women's content, because I think that 
you know, we've had some trailblazers, some trailblazers with it, with like Catherine Manning and stuff, like where she takes us along her workday and she teaches us along the way. And I think more and more people are starting to see that and are excited to share it. And I can't wait to see how it goes. Absolutely. I just wanted to take a quick minute and thank you for listening with a little something something from TubeBuddy. If you don't know, TubeBuddy is a free browser extension and mobile app for your YouTube account that helps you with finding the best keywords, create titles, A-B test your thumbnails, provides you with analytics, milestones, reporting, and so much more. If you have been inspired by the stories in today's podcast and you're ready to start creating, you don't want to do it without TubeBuddy. Get signed up with this free service at TubeBuddy.com forward slash women. All right, so let's let's pivot into some other different kinds of inspirational questions to help motivate our ladies to keep creating. Talk to us about your creation process. Like, how do you decide what to film and how do you kind of like put it all together? Yeah, so right now, to ne- like now I have a team, but back then, I don't know which version you want, but I think we should talk about where you are now. I think that that's what we can relate to. We can go to YouTube and see where you're at. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So even like back then and even to this day, a lot of my content literally stems from what are people asking me? What is the Vanessa FAQ board? People who DM me, even back then when I only had like not that many followers that I do now or not that big of an audience as I do now, any question, I would just make a video about it. And not only did it make for great content because it's actually people, what people want and there's a proven demand for it, but it also helped me just direct people to those videos if they ask me the same question over and over and over again. Because naturally when you put yourself out there on YouTube, because you're giving advice or maybe you're sharing your experience, you will eventually get people who ask you the same questions. And so for me, creating content was also an avenue for me to you know, alleviate the amount of time that I was in the DMs answering everyone one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. So that motivated me to create videos and it still motivates me to create videos. All the videos that you see today, about 90% of them are from customer demand, from people asking me questions and me just being like, you know what, here's the answer. Here's the video for you. And for anyone else who has this similar question, here's the video. This is the FAQ of Vanessa Lau. And it's helped so much as you build that inventory of FAQs that are answered by you in your content. And so that's definitely the one thing that um, I do that has been really helpful because it just fulfills itself. You know, when I run out of content ideas, I just go through my DMs, look at the FAQ. And if you're someone who doesn't necessarily have a big audience and you don't have those questions coming through yet, you know, Facebook groups are amazing. There's even your Facebook group. Your Facebook group has like tons of women asking questions of how to do things. You can easily go in those Facebook groups and find questions and then create content based on that. Another thing is looking at what, no, I don't like to use the word competitor, but people who are doing similar things to you, what content they're doing. Now, what I do is I don't really watch their videos. So for example, let's say, I don't know, I see Catherine Manning's video or Sunny Leonard's video or Jess Stansberry's video and it's doing really well. I will take note of that. Be like, oh, that's a content piece that's doing really well for them. But I actually don't watch the video because I don't want it to ruin my perception of what my unique take is. And that kind of leads back to what I was saying before in this podcast episode is being able to put your own unique spin to things. And as a creator, I try really hard 
to be unique. And so even if I do see someone else's content performing, I'll always ask myself, wait, let me just take a stab at it and what I would say in the video without watching theirs so that it doesn't muddle what my thoughts are. And so that's kind of the two things that really um, spearhead my content strategy. Number one, consumer demand, or just looking at what questions people are asking. And number two, what's actually performing for other people and how can I put my own unique Vanessa Lau spin to it? And so that's the content side of things. And then I'll just begin scripting. Now, when I first started, it used to be like a full script, like word for word, what I would say. But as I've gotten more confident on camera, it's just bullet points. Like here are the key things I wanna make sure that I don't miss. And then I start filming. Now something that's, I don't know if it's unique to how I film. I don't know if all YouTuber creators film this way, but I film my videos in chunks. So for me, unlike, let's say, I don't, I don't watch Catherine, I don't watch too much of her content, but you mentioned Catherine Manning does like more vlog style videos. I tried the vlogging room and I don't think it's for me, at least right now. But for me, my content is really, it's the same background, it's sit down videos, and it's just highly, highly, highly educational. And I let editing do the work, like, you know, putting text and putting graphics and all that thing to keep the audience entertained. But because I don't necessarily move around a lot and I'm just sitting down, kind of like a lot of the male content creators, they just sit and it's the background. I do that too. You're fine. Yeah, <laughs> I do that. And so it's a lot easier for me to uh, edit and film because if my background's not moving, then I can just film my videos and like, you know, every three lines that I say, I'll stop the video and then and I'll just keep recording and I'll just do it in chunks so that I have breathing space and I'm not trying to film an entire video in one take because I, I know for me, I can't, I don't know what I'm saying for the whole take. I need to think, I need to look at my phone, make sure I have my bullet points. And so I do that method where I, you know, record a couple lines, stop it, look down at my phone, see what I need to say next. And then I record a couple more lines, turn off, um, you know, unrecord. And I just continue that process. And I just send all those clips that made the cut to my video editor. And if I make a mistake, then I just delete the clip. I don't have to delete the whole take. And especially when you work with a video editor, sometimes they might charge you for not just the project, but they might charge you for the amount of footage that they have to comb through. And so this reduces the amount of footage because I'm not trying to, you know, finish everything in one take. That would be like an hour long footage based of all the mistakes that I make versus when I film it in chunks, I can just delete the clips that have the mistakes and that reduces my footage time in half. And basically all the clips that I send to my video editor are going to make the cut. And it's a lot easier for her to string together. This obviously works if you're someone that just to sit down videos and your background doesn't change because it doesn't, you know, it's not going to look choppy on camera. And so that's my filming process. And I find that that has helped a lot. I think also having smart equipment helps too. And what I mean by smart equipment is, oh my God, having a remote is life changing. <laughs> like a remote that's compatible to your camera. I have a Sony a6400. I used to have a Sony a5100 and I also used to have a Canon camera. You know, just go on Amazon find your model or like your make of your camera and see if there's like a remote that can come with it because that can just help you press record, press stop record, and you don't have to get out of your seat, especially for your, um, you know, that's something that I struggled with a lot was sometimes my camera would have to be really far away from me and I had to get up and turn it off and I would lose my positioning um, or it was too close to me and just by moving it, I'll like shake the camera a little bit. So by having a remote, it was game changing. Another game changing equipment piece that I invested in was uh, a, a battery adapter. So what that means is depending on the camera you have, see if there's like a battery adapter that you can just 
like a dummy battery that you could put in your camera and then plug it to the wall so that your camera will never die. Yeah, that was a huge thing. Yeah, that was a huge thing that I struggled with in the beginning was my camera would die midway through because I was making so many mistakes. Like I had to redo the footage all over again, over and over and over again. And my camera would die. And then by the time you finish charging your camera, it's like darker out. The lighting's not the same anymore. And it looks not that great on camera. Now you could get a second battery, but I just think the, the dummy battery when you is run so into that good. Whole Such issue, a good hack. You run into that whole issue you just mentioned about how like it changes where it is and it, that slight little bit of movement and all that kind of stuff. No, I agree 100% with that. I did that too. Game changer. Yeah, I think like only like YouTube creators or video creators can 100% relate to what we're talking about. It seems like a very small detail, but it really like, it sucks when the, the lighting just completely goes from light to dark and all that stuff. So I would say those two things are the few game changing equipment pieces that have sped up my workflow tremendously. Um, and yeah, those, I would say those are the two. And even like a good SD card can get you a long way. Yes. Like you, oh my gosh, like I can't count the amount of times when I was beginning, I was, I cheaped out on an SD card, got like the lowest gigabyte, you know, lowest storage possible for my SD card. And because I was making so many mistakes, especially as a beginner, the, the, the storage would be full and I'd be like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Like I can't delete any clips because I've already deleted the ones that I don't want. Now I have to whip up my laptop and, you know, store everything in and wait for it to load and all these little details that beginner creators don't think about. And again, same problem. By the time I want to start filming, it's dark again, or the lighting has completely changed. And so just investing in like an SD card that has a good amount of storage takes you a very long way. And also maybe potentially upgrading your internet. Like these are things that, you know, beginner creators don't think about. I never thought about these things until the problems happened to me is I didn't realize how important it was to have a good upload speed for your internet. I had a really great download speed, but terrible upload speed. And so every time I dropped videos, it was like waiting hours and hours and hours. And so again, things that beginner creators don't think about. Yeah. And I think that these are sort of like problems that you will occur. And like, these are the small upgrades that you can make to improve your workflow to help make things easier for you. So we've mm -hmm. talked about so many amazing things like your journey and how you got onto this and how you're helping people and you know, what are the state of the YouTube is for women and, and men on YouTube. And, and it's just been wonderful. With all that being said, do you think that there's still room on YouTube for new creators? Absolutely. 100%. Like, Oh my gosh. I thought that there wasn't going to be room for me a year ago and a year ago wasn't that long ago. And look at me now, or even a lot of the smaller creators who just started and are like growing really fast. Like that's proof that you don't have to have had a YouTube channel year, ages ago or millenniums ago. And I think what's awesome too, as a new creator is so many other creators have paved the way for you and they've shared so many of the tips and the hacks and everything that's helped them speed up their growth that they maybe didn't have years ago. And I can't, I can't thank the other creators enough for sharing what they know on the internet because it helped me avoid so many mistakes. And so I absolutely believe that there's still space on YouTube. And I think that you know, a lot of people like this was me, my mindset a while back was like, oh, like the best time to start was like, you know, five years ago or three or 10 years ago, not 10 years, YouTube hasn't been along for 10 years, but you know, ages ago when the algorithm was looser and it was easy 
easier to rank and it's easier to get views and all these things. But you have to understand, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the best time to start was five or four years ago, but the second best time to start is now. If you wait any longer and you're like, oh, you know, it's too late, it's too late. Five years later, I don't know, maybe it would be too late. I don't know. I have no idea. And so it's really important to remind yourself of that. How many, and this is a critical question that I asked myself is, how many years has it been that I've put start a YouTube channel on my New Year's resolution list and I never went through with it? I can count probably five years. That's like I could have started five years ago or three years ago when I put that on my resolution list, right? So there's absolutely space for creators. You just have to do the damn thing and get it started. Get it going. Everything you need to succeed is on its way. iPhone is coming out with you know phones that are so much better than they were years ago. You don't even need fancy equipment at this point. It has actually been a lot easier to be a creator you can just whip out your cell phone now and film videos and it would probably still do really well. Things are getting easier and easier. There's more resources for you. You know, everything you need to succeed is right there. It's just your mindset now at this point. Love that. All right, Vanessa, how can people find you on the YouTubes? Yes. So on YouTube, you can just search my name, Vanessa Lau. I'll probably be the first one there. Uh, Instagram is where I hang out a lot too. Uh, so definitely check me out on Instagram. It's vanessalau.co. And if you want to learn more just about me in general, you can, I, I guess, check out my website, www.vanessalau.co. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, sharing your journey and, and getting a little, little uh, feisty with me. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I have never actually been this fired up on a podcast uh, show before. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, I just really love the topics that we're talking about. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's really easy to like kind of say the same things over and over and over again to like different audiences. But this is the first time that I've ever talked about representation, you know, women on YouTube specifically, obviously very fitting for your podcast. And, you know, the intricacies of the different hacks that I use, I think a lot of people only care about like, what are the big level hacks that took you from zero to 100k or something. But I really, really enjoyed my time here talking about the little things that people really don't think about. Awesome. I do really appreciate it. You and everyone listening are impossibly amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. And if you really love this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes to make the podcast gods and Phil over at TubeBuddy happy.